0: Welcome back uh, everybody to Rambling About Rivers, a place to talk about all things rivers, from the impacts of climate change to river health. We're going to be taking you on a journey to hear the many ways people are looking after and saving our rivers. Hope you had a good Christmas and a happy new year.
1: But first, before we go into the podcast, oh yeah, if anyone's got any spare cash...
0: From their Christmas presents? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Head over to the Rivers Trust website got a lovely new shop
0: so you can look cool but also help make a difference as well right let's get into the podcast
1: okay we've got a very exciting podcast today dan oh yeah yeah today we are going to be talking to a really inspirational woman our podcast today we've named swimming in rivers
0: are you mad i think that's a good question it's a
1: good question to
0: ask (laughs) our host today Ella Foot, who has been swimming in a different river every day in December.
1: Yeah, literally the worst month you could possibly ever imagine, really, It's isn't not it?
0: been great weather this year. It's month.
1: really not.
0: Especially down in the south.
1: Yeah. Pretty grim, and we've been following her every step of the way on Instagram. Um, she's been sharing a photo every day, and it is just it's bonkers in my book, but absolutely inspirational. So she's contributing editor for the Outdoor Swimmer magazine and all-round swim enthusiast. So we're going to find out whether our rivers are really fit to swim in. So currently 86% of rivers are failing to meet good ecological status Um, and recently the Rivers Trust has published an interactive map which shows more than 6,000 known sewage discharges flowing directly into our rivers. But despite this we know that wild swimming has become increasingly popular in the last year.
0: Yeah so today we are joined by Ella Foot to find out what her (laughs) thoughts are on whether our rivers are really fit to swim in. So excited to talk to you about uh, your crazy some might say challenge that you're doing, so John, uh, do tell us a little bit about what you're doing your dip a day
2: yeah, sure, so um throughout December, I've been doing a dip a day, so every single day swimming outdoors, it's actually the fourth year I've done it, but what's made it different this year is that I've done a different river every day, so I've completely focused on rivers, and I wanted to kind of challenge the headlines uh from this year that have sort of basically talked about the fact that our rivers are kind of treated as open sewers and they're not safe to swim in so i wanted to see if it was as bad as everyone says it is
1: and how in general how have you found that
2: <laughs> um so it's been really interesting um actually our rivers are in a pretty good shape they can be vastly improved the rivers i thought were going to be terrible for example the river colne which runs sort of um parallel to the m25 um through like Denham and uxbridge and eventually meets the thames i thought that was going to be really grim um, the Rivers Trust actually provided me a little bit of water testing kit to test for things like bacteria and phosphates. Right. And, um, the River Cone actually came out really well. Oh, wow. Uh,
1: right. That's um,
2: good. When I swam there, it was really pleasant. I saw my first kingfisher. Oh, your first one. Yeah, well, I've seen a kingfisher on the Thames in the middle of the summer, but I've never seen a kingfisher in December and particularly wasn't expecting one right next to the M25. Yeah. So, and they're a really good indication of real river quality, aren't they? So, yeah, so I was really pleasantly surprised with, with that kind of river. Um, and then other rivers, like something that's flowing through the new forest, I was expecting it to be fairly good quality. Um, but because of a lot of agriculture, um, the, the water quality was high in phosphates. So it was it's been quite interesting that when you anticipate a river to be a bit better quality because of, the um, environment that surrounds it, um, it's not always the case, which is quite interesting really because often people look at rivers and think they're dirty, but actually they're not.
0: Right, yeah, that is interesting. But I guess on the the flip side of that, a lot of the things that you mentioned like the phosphate uh, and the the bacteria content, actually you can't see those things. So sometimes, I guess, some people might go into a river thinking it looks nice and clean when actually it's not
2: yeah I mean one of the things as an outdoor swimmer um that we talk about a lot um amongst our readers and um I do quite a lot of stuff with different people I, I run my own little swimming company called dip advisor um and often I talk to people about using visual clues so we talked about the kingfisher and um, there's lots of visual clues which you guys at the river trust talk about as well so when you're looking at the health of a river you know whether there's anything on the surface like foam or scum or um, you know you get that kind of film from uh, petrols or sometimes yes. you get it from agriculture so that kind of thing um, does it smell okay is there actually lots of wildlife you know insects birds feeding fish all those sort of things are quite good visual clues you know to assess before you get in because obviously most swimmers aren't going to have a testing kit in their bag absolutely yeah so they're the kind of things I normally look for because I don't normally test the water before I swim
1: no have you found that helpful or has it put you off a little bit
2: Um, I found it actually really interesting. I mean, the bacterial test takes 48 hours to show anyway, um, and it doesn't really show the type of bacteria, and and there is an awful lot of natural bacteria in rivers anyway, so it's not necessarily showing me that there's a pathogen present. Um, However, um, you know, I'm aware as swimming in the sea or in any lake, there's always an element of risk when you swim outdoors. Um, but no it hasn't put me off the uh, rivers fit to swim in map that you guys have produced um, has made me think twice about where I swim there's a few places where I've swam downstream of a sewage outlet that I now swim upstream of right Um,
1: yeah that's been useful for you that's interesting so what have people what have people's reactions been when you've told them that that's your that's your challenge for December I mean obviously there's the cold to not only the cold but also the whole um river health situation. Like how how have people reacted?
2: Well most people are horrified. <laughs> because there is, you know, people do believe our rivers are very unclean. I mean, you know, even before I took on the challenge, I've I've swam in the River Thames for ten years. Um, you know, where I've never had any problems. But whenever I tell people I swim in the River Thames, they're always a bit mortified. Um and obviously people think of the River Thames and they think of central London I do not swim there no. <laughs> I swim in Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire where it's quite beautiful and green um so yeah lots of people believe our rivers to be full of trolleys and rubbish and you know broken bottles and things like that um, and actually well one of the things I've discovered is uh, there are lots of local groups who are doing a lot of really hard work for our rivers um when I swam in the river Kennet. Um, one of my followers on Instagram was telling me about all the work her mum does as a volunteer, and actually the River Kennet was really clean. It, there was no litter. It's very—I swam very close to Central Reading, so I wasn't expecting it to be very good, um, but the the team there have really done a lot of work. Um, and, it, and it can tell. So volunteering and people taking care of the environment really does work. Just
0: out of curiosity, how, how far are you actually swimming in a dip?
2: It really depends on weather conditions and river conditions. So today I swam in the River Ock, which is near Abingdon in Oxfordshire. And we have had three nights of heavy rain. So it was in Spate. Um, there was sort of flooded fields around it wasn't very nice there was foam on the river so it was a very very short swim
0: (laughs) (laughs) but you did it that's that's the main thing
2: I got in I was just like I just need to get in I just need to do a few strokes get the evidence and get out (laughs) oh dear
0: (laughs) are you in a uh, wetsuit or in just in a swimming costume do you have fins or
2: no, just me, my swim costume and a bubble hat.
0: Awesome. <laughs> sounds great.
2: Um, so, yeah, very simple. I do wear um, a little pair of shoes because I have actually um, once trod on a fishing hook in a river. Oh, <laughs> no, that sounds grim. I always wear something on my feet. But generally, that's it. That's, I keep it very simple. And actually, when I swam in the river... Aaron um in Sussex I had a really lovely long swim there it was really nice um it's, it's probably one of my favorites so far to be honest
1: do you find the challenge of it being December like um more exciting
2: than, than maybe in the summer 30 days of or 31 days of swimming in July people would be like well that sounds really nice um, <laughs> I mean, I know we live in the UK and we're never guaranteed wall-to-wall sunshine in our in our summer. But um yeah, swimming at that time of year is a joy. The water temperature um actually in the Thames can get up to like 18, 20 degrees when we have a heat wave. Um, and obviously sunshine and and yeah, like this morning, you know, the you could it never really got light because, you know, of the weather. So that's a real factor. And the fact, you know, that shorter days, so it's it's definitely a bigger challenge, which is why I do it um you know you have a nice long day don't you in the middle of the summer yeah, yeah.
0: so what is the current water temperature at the moment all average
2: it sort of varies something like the aran which probably still has quite a lot of salt content because it's a tidal river uh, was yeah. a was about seven it was quite warm seven eight um but some of the chalk streams that i've um been to like the river anton that was around five and there's so some days which has been actually really nice it's been really cold in the morning and we've had a frost but that's meant the river's warmer
1: and then last year you you did a similar challenge but you included the sea and lakes as well
2: yeah so last year i um was raising money for mind uk and it was more about mental health and isolation at this time of year um so I challenged myself to swim with a different person every day um and that ended up going all over the place and yeah it was lakes rivers ponds wherever anyone was I, w- I would travel to so that was really good fun Amazing, uh, but that was quite exhausting because I ended up having to fit around other people's schedules so it's been quite it's been hard because some days I have to just get up early and get on with it but I know that it's just me and I need to just need to tackle the challenge
0: so touching on your you know the, the work that you did Uh, to raise money for mind is there actually some health benefits to outdoor swimming
2: yeah for sure i mean of course it's a physical activity so any kind of physical physical activity is good for you um so exercise in general uh, is always good for your body and your mind um but there's loads of like evidence to back up the fact that swimming in cold water kind of gives you a zing and a feel good factor um and lots of people use it to battle sort of the winter blues um and um you know to help ease pain like back pain or muscular pain so yeah there's tons of benefits to cold water swimming it it is quite a hard thing to convince someone who has never tried it but all, often when i take people winter swimming they get addicted because it, it gives you a kind of sense of euphoria
1: swimming or have you managed to avoid that
2: yeah I'm gonna touch wood I'm really lucky I've never been ill from swimming um there's lots of things you can do so obviously like this morning I knew the water quality wasn't that great so I just made sure I washed my hands afterwards before I ate anything or did anything um if you've got like any cuts or grazes to cover them up um I do think also it depends kind of what kind of swimmer you are um, at the moment, because it's so cold, I am kind of doing a lot of heads up breaststroke. But if I'm doing a long swim, it's you, you need to just really work on your efficiency. You mentioned
0: um, that you swim in a lot of chalk streams and we know that there's been issues with kind of low flows in chalk streams. Have you come across that at all? Or?
2: In two that I've had to sort of pretty much roll around in rather than swim. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the River Lambourne, stunning, beautiful river, um, but very shallow. So I think it got just above my my knee, uh, really? so I was able to lay in it, and it was more of a bath than um, a swim. If you look at rivers, there is often deep pockets that you can enjoy. There's a really wonderful spot um, in the very young Thames, almost part of the Isis which where the water's hit a bend is kind of created out this well, and it's just this lovely little circular pool that's really deep. So if you know what you're looking for, you can often find a little spot that you can get deep enough to have a bit of a swim in.
1: I think that's one of our challenges with people even seeing rivers or experiencing rivers. It's very difficult when they're closed off. What's your advice for us of how we can get people to care or recognise that there are these issues that need some addressing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've certainly found that over the course of the month. Um, you know, everyone's quite quick to talk about our oceans. You know, if you put a image of a turtle with a straw up its nose or, you know, a whale caught in a, um, a fishing line, you know, people are outraged, aren't they? But actually, all the rivers lead to our oceans. And if we can't look after our waterways that are on our doorsteps, it's going to have a bigger global impact. So I think it's worth reminding people, like, some of the things that have been quite interesting is telling people what happens to our rivers. So when I was in the Kennet and um, there was a conversation going on my social media, a lot of people were really surprised to know that Thames water, um, although they put an output into the Kennet, it's treated water, but they didn't even realise that was happening. So a lot of people are quite ignorant. So I think there's a, a big thing about informing people how our rivers are used yeah um, and being aware of the water companies they pay, and you know they're the bill payers after all, um, so exactly where things are going um so just I think uh, there's an education point of view like I' encourage everyone to understand where their nearest river is, um what kind of state it's in, whether there's anything they can do, um go for a walk along it, um, I think people just forget that they're there or they take them for granted for sure, um just kind of think, oh they're there. Um, but they're running under our feet. They're running under towns and things. People don't even know. Um, and I think people use storm drains like they're going to go to a sewage plant yeah, and, be, definitely. and be treated. Um, I was talking to a lady actually in Western Supermare who runs a cafe, and she was saying for a long time, ignorantly, she thought if you put something down a storm drain, so she used to mop her floors at night. Yes. and tip no. it the storm drain oh no yeah Yeah, has all the detergent and everything and that then went directly into the sea at western supermare and it was only when her and a group of friends started looking to swimming in western supermare and they started talking to the water companies and sewage companies about the quality of the water there which is the bristol channel uh, they understood what was going on. So she ignorantly just thought, you know, she was putting something that was going to go to a sewage plant, be treated and then be pumped into the river. Um, and actually it was going directly into the Bristol Channel.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a simple one is people washing their car outside their house. So we've rolled out a campaign called Yellowfish Campaign. With a local community, and uh, it's you spray paint a yellow fish on the drain, and it's meant symbol only rain down the drain. So there's some really good initiatives around there, but yeah, I, I generally feel I think that people don't realise where their water goes.
1: But I think that's why that brings back to why like wild swimming is very important. Actually, it's an education process in itself, isn't
2: it? I mean, it's, you, you, it only takes a heat wave in the UK for everyone to kind of flock to their nearest body of water. Um, And, you know, the rivers do become little paddling spots and, you know, people like to take their children for picnics and things. So they need to kind of look after them all year round to ensure that they're going to be good quality for that kind of activity. Um, And people shouldn't be afraid to be able to go for a picnic in the height of summer and worry that they're going to become ill or come across a lot of litter or, you know, things that shouldn't be in the rivers. Yeah, Um, And, you know, it's worth reminding people about just looking after their own homes and, you know, making sure they're not throwing things down the loo and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's around Christmas time, not putting fats down the drains and all that kind of stuff, because it all has an impact eventually on the river.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One other thing I was going to pick up on was uh, you mentioned around struggling sometimes with access and fences so at the river's trust obviously we do put in quite a lot of fencing to create riparian buffer strips to give that kind of a natural buffer to the river do you think there's a way that we can incorporate both what we're trying to do to offset the kind of agriculture impact but also increase access
2: as well yeah, it's a really difficult balance. I, I totally get it. I mean there's a, uh, on the river way near where I live, there's um, an electric fence thats sometimes switched on to prevent the cattle from get entering the water because they were basic all the cows are basically destroying the riverbank. Um, so I support the electric fence being put in place because it's protecting the river and the riverbank, but at the same time, it makes it difficult for fishermen or swimmers or anyone else to get close. So it's a really tricky balance. But I think, for example, when I was walking along the river Anton last week on, weekend, an awful lot of that is private for fishing. Um, but I read an article after I was there about a rambling group who had kind of campaigned for access and they were able to work with you know a local landowner to enable a little bit of a walking stretch I think they managed to get five five miles worth of walking along there so I think there's definitely a balance to be to, to come to where we we don't want hundreds of people trampling on all our beautiful riverbanks but you know Sections of land around agriculture being open for a short walk or access to the water in a safe environment. I think I think there's a lot to be done there.
0: I think there's yeah definitely some compromises, isn't there? And um we need to kind of think of things a bit, you know, holistically.
2: There's some great examples like at wiley Weir near Bath. One of the landowners there has allowed people to access, and he's put up a sign to say if you're going to swim. Here are the things to look out for. You know, this is your map coordinate. If, any, if there's any trouble, this is the person to ring. If there's an emergency, please take your litter home. So uh, has allowed that access and then educated people. So rather than just putting up signs saying no swimming, private land, barbed wire, you know, they've actually given up the land for public to use. Um, and in summer you know I know they do suffer a little bit with litter but in general there's a great group of people that happily swim there
0: brilliant that's awesome so throughout this uh, podcast you've mentioned so many different river names and some amazing ones are is there is there any river name that you know your favorite river name
2: yeah so I mean the River Thames is a favorite just because it's local and it's kind of how I fell in love with river swimming. I haven't actually done it yet. I've been saving it for Christmas week because it's local. Yeah. <laughs> so it me and family and friends. Um, the River Dart down in Devon is kind of a close second. Um, I, I did one of my longest swims there, a 10K, a famous 10K swim down there that the Actual Swimming Society run. From Totnes to Dittisham, it runs every year. It's a great swim.
0: Right, wow. How many people do that event? Uh,
2: 1,600 every year. Wow. 800 on a Saturday and 800 on a Sunday.
0: Amazing.
2: Really super swim. Um, um, but further upstream on, across Dartmoor, you can get in the River Dart and it's sort of bubbling and beautiful and it's got like a caramel sort of Coca-Cola colour to it because of the soil. Wow. And then I, I think one of the most surprising rivers that I really enjoyed so far has been the River Arun. I didn't, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect for it, but it's got a really interesting tidal pattern The tide goes up for 25 miles from the sea. That's quite a big tidal pull, and I was really surprised at that. Um, And it kind of made the water kind of brackish, and it smelt like the sea, but it was a river. It was really nice.
1: (laughs) So would be going back there again?
2: I would, actually. In fact, there is a swim that they do, um, like an organised swim, down the River Aaron to, to to the sea, down to the estuary.
0: And if people want to kind of find out a bit more about what you're doing, and if they want to donate
2: to donate, there's a Just Giving page, and um, just search for Ella Foot on Just Giving, and you'll find my Dipper Day uh, page, so you can donate to the Rivers Trust, um, or you can look at the highlights and photos on Instagram. Um, I'm Ella Chloe Swims on Instagram. Brilliant. Brilliant.
1: We'll definitely be following you and tweeting you and everything. So we are yeah so so pleased that you've decided to take on this challenge so thank you for that
0: and if people want to have a go at getting it swimming is there a good place that they can
2: yeah there's i mean outdoor swim society as i mentioned they're a great resource outdoor swimmer a magazine the only outdoor swimming magazine in the country um and then my own website which is thedipadvisor.go.uk um so i do beginners swimming and all kinds of fun things like swimming in moats around castles and stuff like that so oh wow I want to give it a go. <laughs> check
0: me out. I'll definitely check that out. Awesome. So, uh, it's been awesome to speak to you and uh, good luck for the last few days that you've got left and uh, hope you don't get too cold.
1: Thanks for listening. Thanks to the North Sea Region Water Co-Governance Project for sponsoring this podcast.